Hi there, and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and I want to thank you so much for being here and being a proactive parent to get the resources that you need to bring a better quality of life to your child. And I was once told that my son would not recover from his symptoms of autism and that we should drug him and try behavioral therapies, and there was really nothing we could do. And I didn't believe that because my background as a craniosacral therapist and studying the brain did let me know that the brain can and does heal. But you have to get these toxins out of the way and you have to heal up the gut because the gut has so much to do with the brain. There's so many pieces to helping the brain and the body function at optimum. And so it took me about a decade of my own research, but today my son is no longer even diagnosable with autism. All of his symptoms are gone. Everybody's level of recovery is different, but children can improve. And that's why I want to, why I'm so glad that you're here with us to understand your child can get better. And we never know how much better until you know all the right steps and you have the education as a parent to do what you can for your child. And it is up to us in a sense as a parent to be able to be educated enough to know what to do. And so one thing we're going to share with you today, we're gonna to be talking, of, talking about toxic exposures, different environmental exposure, especially uh, we'll be discussing in a little bit further depth in heavy metal toxicity. And uh, I'll link to the sh in the show notes as well for you to understand that there are even studies out that are linking autism, uh, contributing heavy metals to the, the, the exposure to heavy metals having to do with autism. And of course, there are many pieces to the puzzle, but it is one big one. And there are a lot of environmental toxins today that we are exposed to. And it's important to know where they are and also how you can prevent your family from being further exposed in areas that they can be. And then also some natural solutions, which you know I'm all about, and I will definitely be offering you those today too. In fact, I have a very special offer so, to share with you today. So please stay with us till the end so I can give you that link. The show notes for today will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 102. And anything that I link to some of these studies I mentioned will also be linked there as well. And we are very fortunate today to have an environmental toxin uh, specialist with us. And I'm going to read you a brief uh, biography on him. We have Dr. Stuart Lonke, who is an MD, and he's an internal medicine and focusing on pulmonology, which is lung exposure for those who are familiar with the word. Uh, you're board certified in pulmonology and internal medicine and available for POMEs, worker compensations, and independent medical evaluations. Uh, you have an active practice in Los the Los Angeles, Westminster area. And you're one of the leading internal medical pulmonary specialists performing these evaluations. And your practice is doing medical legal work has been since 1984 both evaluating and treating injured workers and has shared in many cases in pulmonary disease and toxic exposure specifically. Uh, you have a bachelor's degree from St. Lawrence University and a medical degree from St. Uh, State University of New York. Dr. Lonke's internship was completed in State University of Kings County Hospital and residencies, residences were done in Barnes Hospital and University of California, San Diego. Completing a pulmonary disease and biochemistry at National Institute of Health at University of California, San Diego, 
and then served six years as a member of the full-time teaching and research facility at UC San Diego before starting private practice in 1982. And Dr. Lonke has also co-authored the book, Invisible Killers, The Truth About Environmental Genocide, which was published in 2007 and has appeared on numerous radio and television shows to just discuss the topic of everyday toxic exposure and how they can affect human health. Dr. Lonke, I wanna thank you so much for being here with us today and uh, giving us your time and your expertise. I greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. You know, having listened to you detail my background, I'm, I'm feeling old, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I feel young. Um, and Experienced. I, think, I think it's important to, to recognize that, uh, uh, you know, we can do a lot of different things in our career as physicians, and I've been blessed so far to be able to take what I did in research and bring it into clinical practice. So that's that's been fun. Absolutely, because all of that clinical research and experience gives you, you know, that expertise that you can share with your patients. And that's what it's about. When you dive into something, you become a specialist, you really know a lot more about it than somebody who's just looking at it on a broad spectrum. That's correct. I think that one of the, one of the great doctors of all time, uh, William Osler, once said that uh, to practice medicine without... Uh, without studying the literature and the books is to sail an uncharted sea. But to practice medicine without going to the bedside is not to go to sea at all. True. And, and, and so you have to have both sides. And unfortunately, we tend to have in this bureaucratic medicine world of ours, experts that have never gone to sea. Um, and the perspective of, for example, having an autistic child and reading and doing research and brain research on animals and animal models of autism, they're worlds apart. Uh, if you don't really live the life and you don't deal with the challenges uh, as a parent, um, uh, and for me as an uncle, because I, I, have, I have relatives who are um, autistic and I have a grandson who's probably sitting on the spectrum, but not any longer. And we're going to talk a little bit about him and about some of the things that we put into play early on. And we continue to put into play. He's 12. And um, you, would not, you would not recognize him as being autistic. You would just say he's talented. Right. And they are talented. What happens a lot of the time is these brilliant kids have so many toxins and other things in their way that they can't really be who they are or they can't think properly. I, I interviewed uh, one, one boy who's 17 now a while back, about a year ago. And when he was in second grade, he was his told, they told his parents that he was basically kind of functioning on, on you know, the extremely low IQ. I don't remember the number, but like he was, that just he just was not intelligent. Well, he has, parents went on to work with his biology and fast forward, he's 17 now, he's straight A's, he's just went off to medical school in Long Island and he's brilliant and he always was. It's just that he couldn't think, he couldn't focus, he couldn't do testing uh, because he had too many things in his way, in his brain's way. So yeah, I would love to hear your, uh, your grandson's story as well and I'm sure our listeners would too because they're all encouraging stories to hear 
Um, and one thing too we know is that toxic exposure is impossible to avoid. So I'm thinking if, if you had, you know, a lot of people want to know where do these toxins come from? Because there's so many different places. Yeah, and they are. Where to begin? Yeah, well, you know, you begin with the fact that, look, here's the story that I always tell people. We live in an environment, we live in the United States, in a world in which currently there are between 85,000 and 88,000 chemicals that have been approved for use by the Federal Trade Commission. Notice I did not say the FDA, because FDA does not play a role in approving products for use. So you can plug an air freshener in uh, to your wall and freshen the air in your home, and as long as it doesn't set your house on fire, it's good. However, nobody has looked at the chemicals that are being released, and no one cares. You can flame retardants on furniture and on baby clothes and on cribs makes some sense. However, nobody really ever did the studies to see how that affects the immune system, whether it has any effect on brain function or developmental function, those studies are gone. So we have to look at 85,000 chemicals in use today and less than 5% of them have ever been studied for their toxic effects. And even though we have the new uh, uh, toxic uh, uh, laws, you know, we used to have, we used to operate under the 1976 uh, Toxic Substance Act, TSA. We now have the revised to Toxic Substance Act of just a few years ago, but it really doesn't have very much teeth in it. So we have to sit back and recognize that they're everywhere. Not only our chemicals, but as I was telling you before we went live, one of the things I worry about is we have something called the jet stream and it's flowing uh, from China and Asia towards the United States and particularly California and the West Coast. So there was a study that was done about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, looking at the toxic particulates. Now understand that chemicals from fires, chemicals that are released in the air, chemicals that are uh, from automobiles or so on and so forth, they adhere to small microparticles that are floating around that you don't see. We call it particulate matter. And if it's 10 micra in diameter or smaller, you are inhaling them. Not only that, it's falling on your cheeseburger at McDonald's, okay? So you're eating it. And many of the chemicals that we're exposed to, both as children and as adults, we put in our mouth. Women are exposed slightly more than men because they also put on makeup and lipstick and other things. And that will bring us to a whole different discussion about trying to find those, for example, cosmetic uh, compounds that are toxin-free. Um, but we are exposed because that study showed that as much as 40% of the particulate matter in the LA basin does not come from the United States. Wow. That's interesting. That, is very that means we can clean our air all we want, but if the Chinese 
and the Taiwanese and the Philippines and so on and so forth and developing nations don't stop burning coal and stop burning fossil fuels and stop releasing them. They're going to burn them, but they don't have to release them without controls. Then we have a problem. We have a problem we can't really solve. And so I tell people, look, cleaning up the environment is a good thing, but it's not really possible when it comes to discussing toxic exposures because we are addicted if you will, to these chemicals. Um, we use them in our cookware. We have nonstick cookware. We use it on stain-resistant fabrics, We so on and so forth. And so they are part of our lives, and that's where all these chemicals come from, including the heavy metals, um, including things like mercury. Obviously, I think your viewers would know that certain seafood and certain fish are rich in seafood, why, uh, rich in mercury. Why is that so? Because these particles fall, they fall onto the lakes and the rivers, and they become part of the algae that the fish feed on, and we feed on the fish. So it is this biologic multiplier that occurs. And um, although it is laudable to think that, whoa, we can really control the environment, our dollars are better spent and our energies are better spent in figuring out okay, we are going to be exposed. How do we prevent these, these uh, uh, poisons, if you will, these toxins, from becoming incorporated into our bodies? And if they are incorporated, how do we eliminate them? It's interesting because I'm working on a book on another subject that might interest some of your parents, and that is obesity. Mm -hmm. And I have again, the same approach because a lot of obesity is toxin related. And I talk about a very simple four-step program, which I'll bet is very similar to what you talk about, and it's called APE, A-I-P-E. Accept the fact that you're toxic, identify those toxins that you're being exposed to, prevent them from becoming incorporated into you. And once they're incorporated, eliminate them. AIPE. And it's the same, I think, advice that you give when you talk about a natural approach to dealing with toxin induced illnesses, of which undoubtedly one of the many factors affecting autism is this toxin exposure. And there are so many toxins out there. And uh, there are a lot of things that, as you mentioned, we can do. I'm really into really good pure water filters, for one. Uh, making sure, you know, people don't realize, too, the lotions and shampoos and the, the toothpaste and things that they're putting on and in their body are, are toxic. Like you mentioned, uh, people don't know not to use the, the traditional nonstick cookware. It's loaded with toxins. And then you're just putting your food on it to cook it in it. Um, certain things that are at high heat, um, like some of the plastics can then will melt in that, those. And we, we just talked about the fires before that are raging yeah. in Southern California. When I, when I hear about, I deal with two types of fire results. I, I deal with a lot of firefighters, as you would well imagine. Mm -hmm. um, most people don't know that when trees burn, formaldehyde is released. I didn't know that. Um, I learned that about 10 years ago. And so when you hear about firefighters developing asthma, 
when they work in wildfires uh, in, in the bush, they don't wear protective gear. They can't because um, it will melt on their face. The temperature is too high. They wear a mask. They wear some kind of shield, but it's not the full protective gear. So they're inhaling uh, particulates. And of course, firefighters, once the fire's out, they will remove that protective gear, but that doesn't mean the particles aren't there. But the other things that burn when a house burns or a barn or an outbuilding of some kind or a car is all the plastic and metal and paint and this and that that's in the house. And now you're talking about, you know, um, um, various chemicals, you know, uh, dioxin, um, plasticizers, um, other chemicals that become airborne, they coat those same particles. The particles don't care. It can be, it can be uh, diesel fuel that coats particles, which is why we see highway patrol officers have higher incidences of cancer on various different, because they live their lives around diesel fuel uh, particles on the highways. Uh, but these are things that will affect uh, individuals because we breathe them, we eat them, they're in our water, uh, so on and so forth. So I think it's important for uh, the parents listening and for those that are expecting other children to realize many, not all, of these changes occur in utero. And I know that, take a step back and take a deep breath, everybody, but that's true. Many of these effects, as we are learning, look, there's, I don't think the people watching your, or watching this podcast or listening to your podcast would disagree that there is an epidemic of autism, of autism spectrum diseases. Compared with the 1940s to today, it's an epidemic. Genetic diseases do not occur as an epidemic. They just don't. That's a true statement. Right. Um, so epidemics are usually due to some kind of environmental factor, mm -hmm. uh, be it a virus, uh, and we're all aware of that right now, but there can be toxins in the air and changes that are occurring, not so much genetically, but something called epigenetics. That's E-P-I genetics. Now, what is epigenetics? So for the listeners out there, it's important to understand that the DNA that you have is made up of four nucleosides, okay, and nucleotides, and these uh, different uh, nucleic acids, if you want to look at it like that, or protein building blocks, um, can have um, various chemicals attached to them, most notably methyl groups, a carbon with three hydrogens. So the methylation of DNA can occur on the surface of the gene. So therefore, epi, which means outside of or on the surface of, epigenetics means that the changes are occurring on the surface of the gene. What does that mean? It means that the gene's expression, whether it is fully expressed or not, is determined whether it's methylated or non-methylated. Now, that's an interesting concept. If you have a tumor suppressor gene, okay, that would suppress tumors and make your immune system alerted to abnormal cells growing in your body, why then you would have 
you would want that tumor suppressive gene to be active. But an epigenetic change that turns it off, that would be a pretty bad thing. And if it's happening to a lot of cells in your body, it's no surprise that you are more prone to developing tumors or cancers. It's the same with obesity because we have genes that determine whether a developing fetus makes a muscle cell or a fat cell. But if it's told to make a fat cell more often than a muscle cell, then we have an increase in the birth weight of infants in this country of some 25 to 40%, depending on the, the, the study you're looking at, since the 1980s. So it's not that we're eating more potato chips uh, and processed foods, but it's that we're kind of pre-programmed. The last thing I'll say about epigenetics is these changes are heritable. So if they, they are what's called transgenerational, so they can last for three generations, at least in animal models, we have seen that. And we have seen that if maybe your parents weren't obese or there was no autism spectrum disease in your parents, but maybe your great grandparents, that could be an epigenetic change that's been inherited. So with that, some of the parents are saying, oh my God, I can't do anything about it. That's not true. Here's the truth. Epigenetic changes are stubborn, but they're reversible. That's the good news. The bad news would be if it was genetically determined. And it's unlikely that autism is genetically determined. It is more likely that it is, if anything on the genome is involved, it is the epigenetics. Enter detoxification, enter dietary adjustments, enter what can I do to get rid of the effects of these chemicals that may have affected my child or could affect my next child because I'm carrying it and they cross the placenta. What can I be doing to make life better for them? And that's where some of the things you talk about, some of the things I've talked about over the years and where AIPE comes in, this, you know, accept, uh, identify, prevent, and eliminate. You can look at that as behavioral too. Accept the fact that some of our behaviors are bad, identify the bad behaviors, prevent them and eliminate them from your life. And what you'll find, particularly when it comes to epigenetics, is that consistency, and here's the word that's very important for those parents, consistency in activities, consistency in dietary changes, consistency in detoxification is the key to reversing epigenetics. It isn't that, I'll, oh, I'll detox this weekend. No, that will not work. No, I will exercise four days a week, every single week. I will change my diet continuously. And I always urge my patients, try it one step at a time. Don't try and do it all at once. You can't. You can't. You'll, you'll rebel. That's why weight loss programs don't work. Uh, you really have to, it's behavior modification to an extent that when you incorporate something new, like a dietary change, 
that you're consistent with it and you're patient with it because it doesn't happen overnight. And we talk about heavy metals and, you know, we know mercury and lead are the two leading candidates of heavy metals getting into the brain and getting into neural tissue. There is no question that those, you can find, you can find perfect examples of autism or autism-like disease in people who have been exposed to heavy amounts of, of heavy metals. You can find behavioral changes in the children of mothers who had high lead levels when they were pregnant. Those data have been published. And uh, in fact, more aggressive behavior is seen in those kids that have higher lead levels. Are they abnormal? No. Well, yes, they are. You see, most physicians and my, my colleagues will say, well, your lead level is under 20. That's normal. No, it's not. The normal lead level is zero. That's the normal lead level. You shouldn't have any lead, period. Yeah, exactly. Lead, right? so, aluminum, mercury, cadmium, those are the... Those are the ones. And aluminum, aluminum is gaining a little bit more uh, uh, you know, positivity. Did I get rid of all my aluminum cookware? Yes. Have I gotten rid of all my nonstick, you know, Teflon stuff? Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I went out to eat the other night, and, or I went to, to Starbucks, and I, I think I had a cup of coffee, and I had a, a, one of their scones. Did they use nonstick cookware? <laughs> you're you're just totally at risk if you eat out. You just Unless you're going to a farm-to-table, holistically organic, you know that they're using all of the right things in the kitchen. You're just... As, as best as they can. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what I, I'm always reminded of. And so I'm saying, you know what? I can make myself completely crazy or I can be partially crazy like I am right now and realize that I have to, with my eating habits and my supplement habits, use those things but be absolutely consistent with it. You it were talking about diet and your son. Um, obviously, uh, you've done some dietary changes, have you not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're, they're essential. Most kids with autism, uh, parents that I work with, they'll also find the same thing. Uh, kids are usually addicted to gluten and casein, the proteins in wheat and dairy, the sugars, uh, definitely processed carbohydrates. Uh, there, of course, are a lot of pesticides sprayed on the food and that disrupt the gut as well. But all of these create so much inflammation in the gut that if you don't change the diet and let the gut heal, the immune system will continue to react to those foods, will continue to have leaky gut, which are holes in the lining of the intestinal tract, um, depending on uh, what's going on. Usually they have candida or yeast overgrowth. Um, I was, uh, when I was pregnant with my son, I had mercury amalgam fillings that is known to go right into the, to the baby. Your first child is usually sort of a conduit that the body, the mother's body detoxifies into. So the first child really gets it a lot worse, usually. Um, depends on, you know, of course, genetic pieces, but there, there's so much. And so the child is born susceptible. So and that, there's, there's no question. Yeah, there's no, and I, I asked that question because I knew your answer. Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously, you know, those are the, the things I, I talk to my patients about, and I would talk to your 
uh, listeners and, and viewers about is that as much as possible, you know, these highly processed foods, uh, the uh, gluten-free uh, uh, diets appear to make some difference in uh, children with autism, particularly the, the younger they are when you institute these things. Uh, using detoxifiers, and you have to be careful. Um, you know, I've been, I've done some research on a molecule, which I know you want to talk about a little bit. It's called clinoptilolite. It's a, um, it's a uh, aluminum silicate uh, that uh, attracts heavy metals. Let's put it this way. It will clearly detoxify the worst of the heavy metals and spare you uh, the need to replace things like calcium and potassium, which is a, a positively charged molecule that you don't want to remove. Which DMSA, which is what most most people will get as a pharmaceutical drug to uh, to remove those heavy metals, but then you're yeah, but, like you said, you're pulling those good things out and allowing for reabsorption, which this particular zeolite, the, the one we're talking about, that it doesn't doesn't do that. And no. just for the listeners, I want you to know I will be giving you a link to this uh, as well, so you'll know where to find it. Because the other beauty about this is. It's a liquid spray and it tastes like water. So it's so easy to give to a child and it's safe. So you know, maybe you can talk a little bit further about how it works. Yeah, it works by, by trapping uh, the, the heavy metal molecules, particularly the smaller ones. So you're talking about mercury and lead and cadmium and aluminum, really great. I've been, uh, I've been detoxing uh, arsenic uh, on a few of my patients. Um, one of them is a extraordinarily well-known composer. I can't mention his name, but um, everybody thought he was uh, everybody thought he was uh, senile. Uh, but uh, we started detoxing him from arsenic, and you know what? He's great, and he's 87 years old, and he's great. Uh, the improvement sometimes is dramatic when we use this. Uh, the studies I did was on coal miners, as a matter of fact. Um, and we took a look at how quickly they excreted uh, these heavy metals. You have to realize there's only two ways out of your body. One way is through your urine. Once it's in your body, you can excrete it in your urine and it has to be water soluble. Because last time I checked, urine was a liquid. Uh, but, you know, we, we can't get rid of it any other way except through sweat. And that's the other thing I want to talk to you about. So what we have is a molecule that is in, in the clinoptilolite, when you take it orally, probably close to half that dose is absorbed into your bloodstream. And it goes around looking for these heavy metals and it'll pull it right out of tissue. It'll pull it out of central nervous system tissue, out of your blood vessel walls. It'll even take it out of bones for lead to a small amount. The bone is a little bit more difficult. And it passes right through your urine and you can measure the urinary excretion uh, and you can see that it goes tenfold, twentyfold uh, from what it was at baseline. So you're, you're trying to get rid of a little of it. This just hurries it up. Um, so that's, that's what this zeolite, this clinoptilolite is. The other thing about it is further research, when we did some work on this molecule years back, we realized it, it forms a plate, and I'm going to use my hands. It, it's like, like two hands, one above the other. And so this is a plate-like molecule, 
And each one of them has like a honeycomb on the inside. Think of a beehive with honeycombs. And the metals get trapped in the honeycombs. But because of the net charge of the plates, some of these organic non-water-soluble toxins, and you mentioned about insecticides, and insecticides mean organophosphates to me. Uh, I'm working right now uh, with uh, a bunch of pilots, airline pilots, and, uh, and flight attendants. There are things called fume events that occur in the older airliners, particularly the Airbus airliners, where they, the forced air that comes in your overhead uh, uh, air thing in the airplane, actually it's powered by the jet engine itself. Bet you didn't know that. No. Now there's a seal between the jet engine that keeps that creosol phosphate uh, from the burning of the jet fuel on one side and just pushes fresh air from the outside into the cabin, but those seals leak. And a lot of pilots have become neurologically impaired over time. It doesn't happen one or two times, but they are exposed not only to the daily flight, but they are exposed to these things called fume events when the cabin itself fills with air. Well, the nice part about this clinoptilolite is it traps things like organophosphate and gets them out. So one of the bonuses is not only do we get rid of the heavy metals, but we get rid of certain things like dioxin, uh, organophosphates, and a few other things by using this zeolite preparation. So I always say it's, a, it's all around detoxicant. Um, and uh, to show you, I'm not joking, uh, my daughter, uh, before she got pregnant, started on it because she was like most college and young students, you know, and then going into the world of work. Um, and she was a little bit older when she had her first pregnancy. So we started her on Flint Up Till the Light. She took it two to three times a day. And we started uh, my grandson. Now you have to be careful because one of the things that babies need is iron. Uh, but it won't really trap very much iron. It's a, it's a bigger molecule. Um, so I'm not worried about iron deficiency in infants, but she even put it in the baby bottle. Wow. Yeah. Well, she put the drop right in his mouth too. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. She sprayed it into the milk. Into, because it's into not milk. safe for, for, for pregnant women and infants and, and everyone as well. It actually puts out, gives a mineral in exchange, correct? When yeah. It yeah, so yeah. it gives you more. So in, in, in the end, in the end, that's that's one of the things. And and despite that, you know, I would say that my grandson was on the spectrum. Um, certainly socialization was something. Well, he fell in love with ice hockey. I don't understand why. He'd grown up in Southern California, but we took him to hockey games and um, he fell in love with it. And he started skating at age three and has been playing organized hockey since age four. And he plays and he sweats. If you've ever had an athlete in your house, hockey sweat is the worst. <laughs> These kids, <laughs> you, you could tell a hockey player. And he learned about nutrition. As a hockey player, he went to camp and they really 
give these kids intensified uh, uh, understanding about processed sugars and, and, and what's good and what's not good food. And you know something? He's 12. He's still playing hockey at a high level. He's on a club hockey team. He travels, practices three to four times a week. His diet is remarkably good for a 12-year-old. I mean, remarkably good. Um, he'd rather have fresh vegetables than french fries. Um, yeah, they become more educated as we educate them, which is something that's important to, for parents. So when you take a look at what he's done, he's been using the clinoptilolite. He's been sweating, which is a good thing. So parents, get your kids involved. Mm-hmm. Even, if they're, even if they're on the spectrum or they're autistic, you know what? There are coaches out there that specialize with kids with needs and can get them involved with some kind of play. You know, if it's, if it's a boy or a girl, it doesn't matter. Soccer is like malignant in Southern California, right? Uh, and probably throughout the entire country. Um, neither of my, my younger grandchildren play soccer. They're both skaters. Uh, his sister is a figure skater. Uh, and a dancer. And, and she doesn't show any of it. She has none of it. But let me tell you, my grandson who's 12 is also incredibly bright. Math skills, science skills, and, and everything. And his social skills. You know, the, the, my wife is an educator. Um, she teaches um, um, uh, uh, children, hearing impaired children and deaf children. That's what she did. And so every once in a while, an autistic child worked their way into her classroom in New York when we, when we were in, in school. And, um, you know, they, they, she, she noticed right away that, that my grandson was not into hugging and into personal contact. That's common. He's the number one hugger in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very, you know, just personality skills. Um, and so I, the, the fact is, is that all of the things you talk about on your website, um, I think putting them in place, the advice I can give your parents that, that are watching and people who are thinking about having more kids is obviously detoxify as much as you can before you get pregnant and when you're pregnant. Think about the foods that you're going to give your child. We never bought baby food when we were, because we were too poor. <laughs> I, was a, I was a medical intern in St. Louis at, at, at Barnes Hospital. We, we used to go to the fresh vegetable market and make our own. We didn't realize that was really smarter. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The better. It was cheaper, so that's why we did it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think getting kids off of the processed foods, understanding that there are some deficiencies that children with autism seem to have more predilection for the folate and the folinic acid issue uh, i'm sure you've talked about and supplementing with that use detoxic detoxifying chemicals like we were talking about clinoptilolite and if you're going to give people a link that's a remarkable remarkable product for both their kids and them um and the last thing is Be sure your kids are in physical activities. And here's the key, as I said at the beginning, it has to be consistent. Consistency is the key to reversing 
any epigenetic changes that are reversible, and many of them are. And ongoing, yeah, starting at prevention, but then it's interesting as parents enter a, a membership program, as they come in, I, I have a sequence and I, you know, some people are tempted, they're eager, they wanna jump around or flood their kids with a lot of things at once and I'll say, no, the, you, this must be done very slowly. Their liver, their detoxification pathways are backed up. If we start doing detoxification too quickly, then their kids will have heightened behaviors that get worse and the parents get scared. Is this making them worse? No, their body needs to let go of that, but we need to slow down. You need to go very, very slowly and, and be patient. Like you're saying, it's consistency over a long period of time. Yes, and it works. It does work. I mean, speech, sleep, social connection, as you're saying, um, aggressive and even violent behavior. Kids are now calm and happy and relaxed. Yeah, speak, you know, all of these things to give a better quality of life, independence, uh, allowing them to, to be who they are, to be brilliant, because they have so many gifts to share, but sometimes they're not able to give them. That's, that's very true. Very true. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. Um, and for our listeners, I really want you to know um, that I'm, I'm excited to, that uh, I have uh, been given a link to offer you uh, for a very limited time. If you go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash touchstone, all one word, then uh, the, the specific zeolite, kleptinolite that zeolite that we're talking about, uh, that detoxifies heavy metals and some other toxins as well. Very easy to give your children. And uh, we're doing a promotion where the bottle retails for $79.95 US and you'll be getting a bottle for $5 uh, with this particular link. So again, wow. recoveringautism.com. Yeah. I'll have to go there. <laughs> you will have to go That's there. a great deal. It is a great deal. So, um, and there's a limited number. So definitely it's a great deal. Uh, and the company has phenomenal products and we didn't even really get into it too much, but the fact that they have, they have two, they have a regular zeolite and one that's called extra strength. And the extra strength is actually the molecular size is a nano size, which allows it to get into the cells because a lot of things that we detoxify with aren't capable of getting into the cells to help to extract those, uh, those toxins. And, um, and it's very important to do so because the brain cells need to have those extracted as well. That's a great deal. I would, I would recommend that. And certainly, again, for the parents, don't expect a miracle, but you know what? You will notice if you just start one of these things at a time and start with a detoxifying product like that and make some slight changes in activity and slight changes in diet, give it three months. I always tell people, give it three months first and then before you do another change. Yeah, then you'll know what's happening too. We had one thing at a time and a very slow process is, is definitely beneficial. Lots and the point you brought up is something that if you do too much at once, what happens, all these toxins get released. Mm -hmm. And so you start getting a toxic effect and it's, it, it's a toxin storm yeah. of sorts. Absolutely. And that can cause inflammatory changes. And, you know, everybody today is very uh, astute with cytokines because they hear about cytokine storm in COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And, you know, cytokines are not your friend. Some are in very small amounts, but not a storm. 
And so you don't want to you don't want to have an overwhelming effect of detoxification. The best detox is slow. Right. Yeah. Thank you for reiterating that. I say it all the time, but I think it's good for them to hear it from you and anybody else as well. Just understand slow is best. And know that if there is a big toxic release, that it means your child's body has a lot of them in there, but you've got to back off if you're going too quickly. It's a very slow step-by-step process and, um, and with very gentle and also having some binders in place to help soft up some of the extra toxins while you're doing it and support the system. And I walk people through this in my program as well. But today, all of the show notes and everything I'll link to for you, especially if you're out listening to this on your walk or you're out driving a car, uh, the show notes will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 102. So again, thank you, Dr. Lonke, for being here with us today. And I really appreciate your time and your expertise. Is there anything you'd like to say at all before we wrap up? No, I'd just like to thank you and your listeners for at least giving me a little bit of time with them. Because, um, you know, sharing this with people that can make a difference in another person's life is kind of why we do this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, they're, you know, with almost one in 36 kids being diagnosed with autism, doing, looking, depending on who you, what stats you're looking at. There's so so much of there's so much of this happening today, but it's good to know that there's prevention, as you mentioned, with epigenetics. Things are reversible. Um, my son, I was told he could not get better. Today, he's not even diagnosable. Your own grandson has has improved tremendously and is obviously having a high quality of life as well. And uh, that's what's important is to to do all we can prevention and then and then continue to uh, do the best that we can in the world we live in, which is important. Take care of yourself in this world, right? Well, thank you for the opportunity. All right, thanks again. We'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week.